0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Editor's Desk here on Business News Radio with me, Felicity Duncan, and with Business Editor-in-Chief, Alec Hogg. ESCOM has increasingly, Alec, come to completely dominate what people are talking about and what people are thinking about when it comes to South Africa because we are now still, we're, we're many, many years into this debilitating decline um, where we're just sort of staving off disaster at ESCOM and everybody's daily life is being affected by the unreliability of their electricity and by the inability of ESCOM to really turn things around. And uh, as, as this becomes you know, more and more the, the main topic of conversation, and, and you know, we've seen that coming from Moody's, that's what they talk about, all the international credit agencies are worried about this, people are worried about this day-to-day, it comes up in Parliament all the time, this is really the core issue, and as it has emerged to become that, um, we're seeing a lot of uh, political maneuvering around ESCOM, people trying to take advantage of the crisis to further their agendas, and really, Alec, this is just looking more and more like a huge mess. What are people to do, and what are we what are we looking at?
1: You're right. It is a huge mess. But uh, starting off from the upside, it is a mess that has been identified by Cyril Ramaphosa, whereas his predecessor Jacob Zuma just made bland and blase statements and allowed the plundering to continue at Eskom. You just have to wonder what Eskom would have been, the state it would have been in, had Uh, Ramaphosa not won the elective conference in December 2017 but that's beside the point now there is a big problem and it needs fixing and we are this week South Africa's uh, media has been dominated by the fact that load shedding came back despite the president saying it wouldn't happen until the 13th which is Monday so we had load shedding starting last week Half the businesses, roughly, in South Africa have not fired up again. It's probably more than half because this is our holiday season, and as a consequence, there's there's great fear now that uh, load shedding is going to be on the agenda almost permanently, uh, going for the ne- at least the next few months until these two new power plants. Uh, do get re-engineered and fixed and whatever, and that could take more than months. It could actually just take years. So the whole story, the whole saga, uh, was based on, if you like, from the beginning, a identification that a modern economy does not run without power. So at least that's one thing. That was made uh, the the major priority by the Ramaphosa administration for many months now already. And as a consequence of that, there's been a huge amount of focus on Eskom. Where there are missteps, you can be sure that the uh, the opponents of the Ramaphosa regime, and remember, it was a very close vote, only 179 votes, over 4,000 uh, of the delegates that actually voted for him. So where there are uh, opponents and uh, uh, where there's opposition, and because it's politics, which is a, already a very dirty game, they are going to use this to advantage. And we saw this in the past week where the deputy president, uh, David Mabusa, said that Pravan Gordhan, uh, who is one of the most efficient ministers in this administration, must resign because the president has been embarrassed because load shedding came back to the country a week before he promised it wouldn't happen. My, my personal uh, perspective on this is that we need to trust but verify. And sometimes, myself included, we trust and sometimes a little too much of the politicians not knowing that the information that they've been given uh, is perhaps itself flawed or that they themselves are making statements that, well, support their own political agendas, leaving Mabuza out of, uh, out of it for a moment. Just going back to Ramaphosa and the statement that he made in December last year, he must have been told by someone who was very confident that there would be no load shedding until the 13th of January. Uh, that person presumably was the chairman, Jabu Mabusa, uh, who was in the game or uh, had had been chairman of Eskim for quite some time. Remember, Mabusa is a taxi driver. He's also a guy who has, uh, well, that's where he comes from, is from taxi driving. He's, he's done a a fantastic job in educating himself about business and administration and and corporates uh, through chairmanship of San. So he ran a very successful hotel business, but he doesn't understand, he's not an engineer. He doesn't understand the intimacy or the intricacies of electricity. So when he's told by his board of directors or by the management certain things, you have to wonder how much insight he has to the kind of questions that he needs to ask and clearly, in this case, when he was told there would be no load shedding uh, but until, the, uh, until Monday, uh, he accepted it because he accepted the people who had been telling him the story. He then passed that on, presumably, to Pravan Gordon, the minister, who then passed it on to the president. And the next thing, uh, the, the whole nonsense is now being exploded and used for political capital by those who would use it to poli- for political capital. Just two personal issues, though. Uh, when I went to, um, U- I was in the UK in October, uh, who do I bump into on the flight? But Jabu Mabusa. He was clearly going there to interview, I think, one of the candidates uh, for the uh, chief executive role at Eskom. In other words, he, is, he was on the job. He really, really was, was hard working, trying to find out uh, how to run this place, try, doing his best, doing his national service. And you can't fault him for that. When you are, doing the utmost that you can and uh, people continue to criticize you. That's one thing. But when you get a, a, a crisis like this, I guess to a degree, it's, it's fairly engineered. I mean, if South Africans are so used to load shedding, uh, if load shedding comes back a week before, before uh, you've been told it would come back, well, really, so what? Politicians lie only when they open their mouths. So what's the point here? So it's a little bit of a of a manufactured crisis, but even so, I think that uh, Eskom has has lost a really good guy in in Jabu Mabusa, who, while he doesn't have the engineering expertise, is uh, clearly he knows how to run a board. Uh, the second thing is Pravin Gordhan, and I just want to share a personal anecdote of of uh, of Pravin's. Some years ago, in Davos, uh, we were at a it was a working lunch, and there were various people from from different parts uh, of of the world there uh, and the it was a south african delegation working lunch where i happened to end up at province table uh, where he was he was running it and about halfway through the lunch there was a massive explosion a real boom the kind of thing that those of us who lived through the the worst of apartheid era will remember from from bomb blasts. and there was an abs- a, a, an exodus for the door it was incredible it's it's Uh, I I remember Cynthia Carroll from Anglo-American almost leading the charge but there was just this exodus uh, of people who stood up and ran for safety and Pravin was sitting at our table and he said just be calm, just relax just sit down and our table listened to him and stayed because clearly through his time uh, during the struggle he would have gone through issues like this as it happened the explosion was an air conditioning unit uh in the hotel that had blown up. it wasn 't a terrorist attack, but the way that various people reacted to that uh, made me understand better that this guy who's in his deep deep into his sixties now uh, and is a veteran of the struggle, it takes a lot to knock Gordon off his stride, and I'm pretty confident that he's not going to be. Uh, he's not going to allow the bigger picture, the higher purpose that he's working for, which is really fixing Eskimo in South Africa, to be deviated by the political tensions that are going around now. And uh, because he's, he's, he's tried and tested, and, and he is certainly, in Ramaphosa's view and in the view of probably many other people, uh, the right guy for the most difficult job in South Africa at the moment.
0: Now, you know, on a day-to-day basis, just speaking to, to various people, this uh, this uh, unreliability of electricity supply is a real drain and a real strain. And um, this week I uh, opined, I guess, in in my column that uh, what people need to start thinking about, because ESCOM is a, a, a long-term problem, you know, building out new capacity, fixing such a large organization, this is not going to be something that happens overnight. Um, and people need to perhaps start to think about their uh, electricity in a more uh, innovative way and i by people i mean south africa overall we need to start thinking about ways that we can insh- uh, what's the word uh, ring fence ourselves protect ourselves from the dangers of the load shedding process and from the frustrations of it which obviously means installing their own self-generation capacity now what do you think people and businesses should be doing because even if ESCOM is on the right trajectory, we shouldn't expect this to be you know, done and dusted within the next six months.
1: Well, the penny has dropped for me personally. Uh, I remember as late last, well, in, in, towards the end of last year, probably about September, October, I gave a talk at a, a church in Park View, um, which was full and, and uh, very well attended. And one of the Uh, questions was, well, what about Eskom? What should we be getting generators? And at that point in time, given that it had been escalated to the top of government's agenda, given that politically it was the number one priority uh, apart from economically as well, I was quite confident in saying, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't be doing that at that point, because if it's such a high priority, this is the one thing that Ramaposa and his team have to get right. They have to make sure that uh, security of electricity supplies is, is managed correctly. And as a consequence, they will do whatever is they're able to to make it happen. Well, I, don't, I still think that, that is the, that's the reality, that they have to do this. But whatever they try, we now know they actually just don't have the capability to deliver. So despite all the promises, despite the billions and hundreds of billions of, of, of rands of taxpayers' money that's been thrown at the problem, you just can't trust the process anymore. And I'm not sure if that's because the the reason for it goes a lot deeper. It goes into ideology. It goes into uh, catered deployment. There could be a hundred reasons for it. But that's not – if you, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to look at – what the uh, scenario is that you are being faced with and then act accordingly now some people will say you see i told you so it 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 was going to be a mess and good luck to them that they've made the right call for people like me who believed that uh, it was such a high priority that they would just have to get it right i'm now saying uh, i'm afraid that they probably were the best one in the world Uh, The public sector just doesn't have the capability of getting it right for quite some time. The mess at Madupi and Kusili uh, and the corruption and and the incorrect engineering. And it's a little bit like what happened with uh, Transnet. It's easy when you look at Transnet and and the big locomotive contract of of billions of rands uh, and understand that they brought in the locomotives that (laughs) were the wrong uh, wrong widths for the rail service in South Africa. Uh, and you, you, it, it's an easy thing to see. But when you're talking about massive electric power plants, it's not so easy to see what the, the incorrect engineering and corruption has actually done to the capabilities of that. So, But now we have to sit back and say it's a bit like the Transnet story. There were too many uh, feeding mouths at the trough and they brought in something that uh, is definitely not going to deliver what uh, had been intended in fact it might even turn out to be a white elephant so uh, and there's all kinds of fights within the cabinet itself and within the politicians themselves and remember politicians for the most part are not like Robin Gordon serving a higher purpose they're serving their own agendas so if that's the case step back and say what's the rational thing and the rational thing is just protect yourself Um, I'm doing it. Uh, We've got our uh, solar panels that are going to be installed uh, starting tomorrow. So uh, it's just been incredibly frustrating. I've had to uh, cancel uh, radio shows. I've had to cancel interviews. Uh, Many uh, commitments that should have been made simply with international partners as well have had to be canceled because when you have no electricity, you, you can't operate. And uh, we have a remote model at BizNews where we we do use our uh, facilities in our own homes. So as a consequence of that, it's become too de- debilitating. And I've lost confidence in the ability of those making the promises being able to deliver. It's, it's, it's probably not, almost certainly it's not because they don't have a will to deliver. They're just ina- un- unable to do so. So you have to take the rational approach, which is, Protect yourself and get yourself an inverter, or a, or a, um, or solar. Being, I think, far better than uh, than generators, because at least there you're using uh, power that that is sustainable. And that's the, the the responsibility now of businesses and of the more optimistic um, entrepreneurs and chief executives who, like me, believed that there would be delivery. You now have to sit back and say, but it's it's one of those issues that isn't going to be fixed anytime soon. Uh, the the cynics in this case are right. I hate to, to, uh, to admit that the cynics are correct, but in this case they are. Um, and perhaps in future, um, would I do things diff- differently? I don't think so. I think one has to be skeptical uh, because when you are skeptical, you, you trust but verify. But when you're cynical, you, can, you, you run the risk of getting into a downward cycle and a downward spiral that affects you and everyone around you and in fact can be self-fulfilling. Uh, so as a consequence of this, uh, the penny now has has very much dropped and uh, that would be my advice is to do exactly what I'm doing now and protect yourself against the system.
0: You know, I think about it more in terms of just risk management than anything else, you know, at this point in any country that you're operating in, in any environment that you're operating in, you're going to face a number of external risks. And the best that you can do, whether you're a business, a large business, a small business, or even a household, the best you can do is say, what looks likely, what can I do to defray that? And is the cost of that better than paying the cost if this risk comes to pass? And I think that you've got to think about the the power generation issue in that way. You know, past experience suggests that the risk is going to continue, if it's the point where, as you're discussing, it's really disrupting the abil- your ability to do business, your ability to meet your commitments and to, to come through, then I think the sensible risk management approach is to take action um, to avoid that. And that's not to say you know, oh, everything is terrible and it's always going to be terrible. People have to plan for risk contingencies every single place in the world. You know, the whole of Australia is on fire at this point. Um, risk risk is, is universal and it's just this is a you're not, not even really a unique, but this is a South African risk. People need to accept that it's out there and take action to deal with it. And that doesn't involve a need to be cynical about the future of the country. It just involves a need to be pragmatic about one of the realities of the country.
1: I like that, Felicity, because if you step back from it and you have a look at it from an entrepreneur's or a business owner's point of view, you have a set of parameters or you have parameters within which you need to work. And it's up to you to make a, a value of judgment on where those parameters are. And clearly your risk management is happens where those parameters are a little bit fuzzy now on. Eskimo in power, it was a bit fuzzy, but with hindsight, you have to ask yourself where was the greatest plundering during the Zuma administration of public resources where did we where did they where was their honeypot and the honeypot quite clearly was Eskimo. so as a consequence of that, you will have a number of uh, um, obvious uh, with hindsight uh, telltale signs of how the plundering occurred, where it was it was taking place, and how, how that would have affected the system. If you are a an upstanding, hardworking uh, public servant who, who, who works for the the higher good, and if you see around you that there is just endemic corruption, well, you have two options: the one is to change your value system, or to leave. So you can imagine how many really, really good people. Left Eskom because of what they saw there, and the consequence was who were they replaced by? So you you have all of these softer issues, not non-obvious issues, which are still have to have to be worked through the system. It's like Ed, Ed Kisweta at uh, SARS um, was saying that it is a long, long, hard struggle for re- SA Revenue Services to replace the 200 managers that were. Um, lost managers who had worked during the Pravan uh, Gordan uh, commissioner era and and thereafter because they saw duty or the public service and the public duty as being for a higher service. And they were replaced by people uh, who didn't see it that way, who saw um, the opportunity to feather their own nests. Now, to get that system fixed takes time. Similarly with the uh, criminal justice system. To get the the baddies out, if you like, or the what does Paul Osullivan call them, the the crooks with badges, to get them off the payroll uh, and to replace them and to get that that uh, the scale moving in the other direction does simply take time. And we we seem to believe. Uh, I love that quote that I, I wrote in one of my newsletters last week from Bill Gates, that what when when things change. That we believe we seem to to, uh, underestimate, sorry, overestimate in the first two years what the impact of that change would be, but then underestimate uh, the impact in the next 10 years. And South Africa is a classic example of this. When we had a change in the administration, we overestimated the impact that Ramaphosa and uh, more honest administration would have on uh, the problems that they'd inherited. But by the same token, I think we're underestimating the impact, the long-term impact of the decisions that are being taken now and the changes which are being done now uh, and the benefits they will have for South Africa in the long term. Of course, the cynics will come back and say, but in the long term, we're all dead. And how long is long term for you? My, my, My sense on this is that that's fine. But you do need to stop, put a line in the sand somewhere. You do need to appreciate that. Uh, those who are trying to fix the system uh, need to be supported and encouraged rather than uh, just being told that, well, you can't fix it anyway, so why try?
0: Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to read a summary of this interview, there is one up in the premium section on Business.com. Remember, you can sign up for premium just £5 a month, and that's going to give you access to all our great original content and full digital access to the Wall Street Journal.